From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 134, and today I'm joined by actor-director Jackie English, whose film Becoming Burlesque can be found on pretty much every streaming service, I think, iTunes for sure, as well as Eric Bazzari, a short filmmaker who is also the co-founder of, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, no, the Future of Film Showcase. It's a really great um, um, film fest that showcases the work of young filmmakers, emerging filmmakers that uh, takes place in Toronto once a year. You should check that out. And we're going to watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch The Shining. I'm Jeremy, and I've seen this movie a fair number of times, but I haven't watched it in quite a while. I'm Eric Pizzari, and I have not seen this film. And I'm Jackie English, and I also have not seen this film. So let's let's talk about why. I mean, well, I guess let's talk about the, real, the initial reason why I wanted to do this is, first of all, it's a classic, and I haven't done it yet, mm. but also because the... Unofficial sequel is coming out. I was, um, I was, Doctor gonna, Sleep. Yeah, so I had no idea that Doctor Sleep was the sequel to The Shining until I saw the trailer for it. Yeah, because I'd never seen The Shining, and so upon seeing the trailer, I was like, maybe because I have like a habit of seeing classic movies once they've like once they're like quote unquote sequels have come out or something. I'm like, maybe now is the time. Like the same thing happened for me a while back with like Anchorman, for example. Finally saw Anchorman. The Anchorman classic, yeah. The classic. But, uh, but yeah, so... Um, what, are, you, are you excited for the sequel? Like, are you going to watch it? Yeah, I never read the book. I mean, I'm kind of interested. I'll watch it for sure, but I definitely wanted to rewatch The Shining going into it. Because right. I think that there... It's, an uno- it's not an unofficial sequel. It's a sequel to the same story and a sequel to the book. And it seems like, at least looking at the trailer, they're incorporating footage from the original movie and also just like some visual motifs they seem to be parroting. So it feels like mm. they're trying to set it up as, as a... You'll as get the most impact from the sequel being familiar with the first 100%. one. 100%. Yeah. So, so you... So let's go through what what made you want to watch this. I mean, so you said that. So Jackie, what made you want to watch this now? Um, I just feel like there's a big dearth of things I haven't seen that are referenced a lot and they become sort of like pop culture like reference points yeah you know like the first time you watch Casablanca you realize all these things that were cliched were actually coined from the same movie so there's I feel like there's like a certain body of work that has stood the test of time and still gets sort of mentioned or and it's good to fill in those gaps basically yeah and what so what do you know about The Shining is there a kid there's a kid I know there's a kid okay I know there's like two girls I think it's scary is it scary it's well, Stephen. It's based on a Stephen King novel. Yeah, I knew that Stephen King, which means yeah. it's scary. I think it's probably psychologically scary, and there's a kid. Yeah. And I think I saw, I think I saw one scene from The Shining as part of some kind of 
studying of a scene. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's 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 referenced quite heavily. I'm That's sure what throughout. I mean. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I saw I saw a clip of uh, of this door that like opens and all this like red blood or something. That's something that sounds or, like it comes or, from this movie. Or, I don't yeah, want to ruin anything. Like no, no, no. I thought a spoiler. I have like a step forward and a step back. Is that this movie? What's that? Sorry. It's a, it's a kid who's with a psychologist and they're stepping forward and stepping back. Or is that a totally different movie? Uh, I don't remember that specifically, but that could be in this. Anyway, it was it was broken down as like a writerly beats thing, and I. I th- is this yeah. the one with the two girls on the bike? We are clearly they going know down nothing. a hallway? Are they we going don't down know a hallway? Anything. I love all of this. No, <laughs> you, you guys are right in the, Yeah, I mean, there's that, that, that image sounds familiar to me. Yeah, okay, that okay, is. Okay, that's from on. this okay, as well. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have either of you seen Ready Player One? Yes. Okay, so you're... So they, they they literally go inside they, of this movie in that that's movie. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, I was gonna say there are many references to this movie in other works. In other yeah. That's that's kind of my point. It's yeah. become a reference point, so you kind of have to watch it. Exactly. Yeah, it's one of those things. I think like you yeah. said. I think after like when we did Ca- Casablanca was the very first episode we did for the podcast. I think after we watched that, Glenda and Kevin, uh, who watched the movie with me, were like a whole bunch of Simpsons episodes now make sense to me. <laughs> Not just yeah. Simpsons episodes. There's classic lines that have become part of our just day-to-day conversation. 100%. That now we know are all, like, script from a movie, which is crazy. Like, they weren't cliches in that movie. They were just text. Yeah. No, and this is that time when, you know, we weren't making 100 movies a month that came out, whether it was in theaters or on one of the streaming services. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is back when, like, only a handful of movies were being made a year. Not a handful, but, like, far fewer. And so more movies... Like this, we're becoming more more people watch them and became familiar with them. It's going to be harder. Like I think a lot of the movies that are being made now just are never going to have this to like. Stand I also the don't time, think yeah. that the lines of movies are quite as classic. Like there, like there was a style back then where, like I feel like we tend towards sort of a more naturalism, and it's hard to make something iconic if it's like. Casual. It is. It's, it's very rare. I'm trying to think. Of the the latest, the last one I can think of of a recent movie is from like Avengers Endgame. That I love you three thousand became a, a meme. Oh yeah. Like it was became yeah. a thing. Yeah. Um, Do you think that's because people at that time have just been watching it for the first time? Which is that why that's why it like sticks so much. Like I remember, like for example, my um, my dad loved the Rocky series, and so Rocky Balboa to him as like a kid was like a an idol. Right, and so looking at it now, it's like he obviously still loves Rocky and loves Rocky Balboa because he's thought about him since his childhood. But like now, you see characters now that are created that are similar to Rocky and that they're like these big heroes and stuff. Do you see what I'm saying? Like Rocky was almost like one of those early, early heroes. Well, anytime you're the first to do something, it's more powerful, and then everything else after that is a reference to that original. Yeah, I know know you're saying with Jackie. But I'm I'm actually talking about like the like I. I think dialogue was crafted a bit more than it is now. Yes, but also Casablanca in particular, because there were other movies at that time. But there's so many lines that are like, if you were to say them now, I'd be like, that's cliche. But all these cliches, there's like at least a dozen of them in Casablanca. That's where it was born. Yeah. Yeah. And to to generate that many you know, pre-meme memes before 
you know, is I think is genius. Like it, the whole movie actually felt almost stale because I'd heard it all before. Oh, but, but it wasn't I, stale because it was the first time it was happening. No, and also the structure of it feels like oh, I've seen this before. But it's like well, that's because yeah. it invented it. Exactly. So that, you, that's what I mean when you see a film like back in the day. It's because when they was first presented, the structure was first prese- uh, presented. That's why it's still maybe such a classic because it was the first time. Like even even like all, like all the romances that followed, like that sort of that final like goodbye scene became like a reference. For how many rom-coms since? Right. Yeah. That yeah. now feels cliche, but yeah, they exactly. invented it. Look at the end of to invent uh, a cliche is a huge compliment. Yeah. But yeah. But, but, you, but to fully appreciate it, you have to understand the context of the movie of its yes. time, right? Because otherwise, course. you go, "Oh, I've seen this a million times." Like Annie Hall kind of reinvented the romantic comedy in the way it was like a non-classical structure and kind of a downbeat, but like you know, fulfilling ending. And now there's been a million of that. Yeah. And and they go, Oh, I've seen this bef- before. And it's like, well, yeah, but it fucking started here. Yeah. And, and, and you have to know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm. exactly. Like, look at the ending of like what you said about rom-coms, like the endings of some rom-coms are so like overly Hollywood, I guess, because they're trying to mimic those musicals from the beginning. So for example, like, um, and I'm just referencing this cause I was speaking about it with a friend earlier, uh, friends with benefits with Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake, that last mm. final musical sequence is like straight out of like, like a classic musical, right? Like singing in the rain, like singing in the rain or, um, uh, even like Greece. Yeah. They're stealing know. shit and calling it an homage, but it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what but we do now. But to be the creator yeah. of a future homage is the dream. Have you, have you seen anything recently that you feel like? Could could stand out. I don't know that I have. Well, stuff. It's also like it's a harder. There's a lot of referencing going on now. It's hard yeah. not to. Even yeah. fashion is constantly just referring back to the past. It's yeah. hard to be original. You know, when when you know, it's like there's the Beatles quote. Is like there's nothing you can say that hasn't been said. It's really it's just like it's. I think all you can do now is is create like a new way of seeing something. You know, and yeah. Well, part it comes down to um, people like the familiar. Like, there was a time where I think people would, were open to a new thing. Like, especially even in Toronto, like, you look at almost every musical that makes it to Toronto is a musical of a movie or of something, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there are new musicals on Broadway. By the time they get to Toronto, they're of something. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, rare, like, there are musicals being written not from movies. Yeah, but we don't see them as much. No, everyone likes this. Well, it's like everyone likes to save. Everyone likes to, to... Well, if you're paying 250 bucks for something, you want to know you're going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. And but that even you know I mean not to say that not to you know to bring it back around to The Shining I mean The Shining is also based off of a book you know yeah. it's not necessarily original so like he and that's what Kubrick did I mean most of his his work he did the screenplays but I think all of, all of his I don't know if it was all of his work but a fair amount of his work was based off of books you know he would find a book he liked and he would adapt do an adaptation of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I should add I actually haven't seen a lot of Stephen King movies in general. Oh, no, what ones have you seen that you remember? Because he runs the gamut, too. When you think about it, it's not all just, like, horror stuff. It's like the Shawshank Redemption is a Stephen King I property. Saw that. Really? It's based on a short, short story called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. But Stand By Me is Stephen King. Oh, wow. You didn't that. know that? No. No, I didn't know that. Not either. at all. It was based on a short story called The Body. Oh, wow. I saw Carrie. I guess that kind of makes sense. Yep, Carrie is. Stephen King, right? Oh, Carrie. Yep, Carrie is. uh, Carrie's freaky. Obviously, It, which is recent. I haven't seen that one. Is Stephen King. Uh, Yeah, so I've actually done a fair number of Stephen King on here because I've done both the It miniseries, It the movie. uh, I just recently did Stand By Me, did The Mm -hmm. Shawshank Redemption. 
Yeah, I've done a fair number of Stephen King. I'm just Stephen realizing King's now. That makes you a fan. Oh, I'm a fan. Like my Stephen King, I read a lot of Stephen King because my, my grandmother, whether it was a good idea or not, or she even realized it, would just every Christmas she'd buy me Stephen King novels. And so I read wow. a ton of Stephen King growing up. Yeah. Not, but I haven't kept up with it for some reason. Like I don't go back and keep on reading his stuff. I, well, I don't most, read Nancy Drew anymore either. Yeah, the most recent thing I read of his, I, th- I went through like a phase a couple years ago where I suddenly read, caught up and read a whole bunch of his newer stuff. And the thing, the last thing I read, I think, was the eleven. What was it? It was the uh, JFK one that that Hulu turned into a, a mini series with James Franco. Like, oh, oh, the Deuce. No, not the Deuce. That's a totally different thing. It was like eleven Deuce something. Is Twelve. This is eleven. It was like a, it was a number. It was like basically a day. It was. It was eleven something sixty three, and it was basically about. Oh yes, I it was know. the one about like Sorry. the guy that could go back in time through this portal and decided that he wanted to try to stop the JFK assassination. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the book, mm. the series is pretty good. The book is phenomenal. Mm. Uh, so it makes me. I think the only thing that's probably stops me from reading more Stephen King is that the books are dense and I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Long enough, and you can watch them anyway. That's true, but there is something I will say about his stuff. Like his stuff, the books are always better. They're just richer and more interesting. The books, mm. books in general, are better than movies simply because they have the advantage of your own mind. Yeah, and you're always going to picture things in a way that's perfect for you. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's true, but I think I think that's true if you read the book first. I think a lot of times people watch a movie first and then they read the book and they're like, oh. The book had too much stuff and it was because kind of slow. The picture's I've, been instilled. 100%. I've in I've always thought I've always separated books and movies as two different entities. When I watch a book, I don't expect that I'm going to see the same thing in the movie, and I don't get disappointed when I see something different. Like I try not to. Something something specific. Yeah. Is like well, Harry I think Potter. this part about being in the medium too, because we like like films aren't like absolute. You're like, oh, it's an inter- right. yeah. interpretation yeah. of this thing. Like yeah. neither thing is absolute. But there's also yeah. a couple where I go like, even though I love the book, like Fight Club, I love that book. I think the movie's better. They they go in different directions at one point. So many plot holes in Fight Club. The movie. Yeah. Or the book. Yeah. Both. Both. Yeah. But I they, read they, the book, but they go in very so. different directions at some point. But thematically, they're still telling the same thing. But I think I'm full of plot holes. It's actually the twentieth anniversary of that movie. That's this, crazy. This month, yeah. This that, month or yeah, this month September. 8th. Yeah, that's crazy. Anniversary. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cool. So I think without further ado, we should dive I'm into scared. this. Are you scared? Yeah. I okay. You know. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say something. Uh, part of the reason why I also I'm haven't so watched scared. it is because I'm also I'm also like sort of scared. <laughs> this is amazing. No, no, no. Well, like, I, will, I will comfort was, all of you in any way I can. I was invited. A friend of mine invited me to <laughs> see it at a theater here, and I pretended that I couldn't go. Like I just didn't want to see it in the. Theater. You avoided seeing it because I did. I just I couldn't do it. It was like a few years ago. I think Don't the royal with that means treating me. I love the, the honesty that's coming out because I, I was just like, let's turn it on. You guys are like, fuck, I, I don't know. Like, I was like, no, 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 it's good. <laughs> oh, the, the excitement that just entered the room. Is, is, <laughs> that's why I told you, like, I was, because I, I saw there's an opportunity and then I thought that because there was no, like, I didn't hear from you and I was like, okay, maybe there's no opportunity. I was like, oh, like, well, it's fine. oh, well. And then you the sent the message and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm excited for ah. it. <laughs> you guys put yourself out there and you realize you'd committed. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> This just got way more exciting for me because I know what you're in store for. Oh, this is great. This is a great. Okay, we're watching it. We're fucking watching it. Oh, my God. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we just finished. 
And did it live up to your, your last minute fearful uh, expectation? Um, yeah, it was a lot more gory than I thought, I guess. Yeah. It's it's pretty alarming, but it's alarming at a different level than I think the movie is, because I think the movie is a metaphor. Metaphor for what? Spousal abuse. Oh, that's mm. interesting. Yeah, I mean... Because they're in, they're in a place... I don't place know if it's a metaphor, it's kind of a literal... <laughs> well, I mean, literally, yes, he's being mean, but also, like, they're in a place that typically is, like, very, like, warm and welcoming, and, like, it's, it's like, a party zone, it's, like, that's what, like, you know, marriage or a relationship should be, except she feels like she's all alone, right? That there's nobody there, and then he's, like, being completely incongruous, and then her, you know, even, you know what I mean? Like, like to me, like, the whole thing is just kind of... And she sort of has a psychotic break, but she rallies in the end. You know, to me, she's the star of the whole show, and that's what it's about. Yeah, well, she's kind of the hero. Yeah. yeah. You know, because it's like both her son and her husband are kind of being driven mad by this place. But even in the early yeah. conversation with the doctor, the way she described the incident against her kid off the top. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, that's classic denial. Oh, 100%. You know yeah. what I mean? And then she goes up into this place and... I'm not saying it's a really like subtle metaphor, but I do think like the the, the thriller aspect is like highlighting that dynamic, right? You know, because because it is supposed to be a glamorous place, but a place of celebration and relaxation. But for them, it's anything but and enjoyment. And it yeah. feels like she's all alone. Yeah, literally, it's like they're they, they you know they, and they're they, snowed in. Yeah. So there's all these like physical like barriers, and then and then she's like. And you could see she smoked more and more during the thing, too. She smoked... The first time she smoked was when she was describing that incident. So she clearly smokes when she's stressed. And then she, she smokes more and more oh, and more as, just the, took that in, yeah. as the show goes on as well. And even her kids, she's sort afterwards. of constrained. That's yeah. after the whole... And she gets more and more sort of like... Um, um, yeah... That's okay. I, it's interesting. That's an interesting. I've never thought. I mean, I've always noticed. That's, that's, I mean, it, it, to me, it's like very apparent in the scene on the stairs. But then when that scene happened, it just seemed like the whole. That was like the essential theme of the whole movie, really. Like, it's not just about a couple in a hotel, like, and there's like a demon. Like, to me, it's about. It's about her psychological break under duress of this relationship yeah. yeah that's interesting because it's interesting as I was watching it this time I was suddenly going I've never quite unpacked and figured out what makes her break at the end because she starts seeing all these things as well uh, and that kind of that's gaslighting yeah well that makes with the way you you interpreted the movie I think that helps that theory mm-hmm. because it's always made sense to me that it's like I think the the Scatman Crothers character I can't remember his name the cook um he kind of explains it as the shining that that it's something that he and and Danny share. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and then Jack, I think, just goes fucking crazy because of the either whether it's something to do with the hotel or not, uh, or it's just always there. No, it's all it's 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 all it's it's all it's all like sort of like 
masculine hubris, right? Like he feels like a failure. He feels like he needs to write and he has to take this job. And then he's saying, should I go back to these other shitty jobs? I want to like be a star, provide but he can't family. actually write. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's so a he shitty t- writer. He's so got one he sentence takes in it him. over. So he takes it out on her because he can't, he can't like sort of like prove himself as a man. You know, he feels emasculated. So he dominates her to like sort of compensate for that. Yeah, well, it's sort of this, like, uh, I feel like this responsibility that um, that he puts on himself, that he has to provide for the family, and he's that's, embarrassed about, like, what he... Uh, that's the male predicament. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, thought, I thought that was interesting, too, that the setting was its own character, that the hotel was its own character. Because the, 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 the whole time, rather, I'm trying to figure out why... You know why the kid is seeing what he's seeing, and 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 why even Jack is seeing what he's seeing. But it's it's almost like the paranoia. The kid is a marriage, and the the kid sees it before the before the parents do, before the mother does. Sees the destruction of the marriage. Hmm. And does that start after he dislocates his shoulder? Probably. Yeah. That's when Tony arrived. Yeah, yeah, cool. It was really cool. It was really cool. I think. I think. What 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 sort of freaked me out the most was like these random flashes of like the blood out of the elevator, sort of like teasing that something like big would come. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm sort of wondering at the end, not to like jump so far ahead, but at the end, what was I guess trailing into that to that picture on the wall? Aside from showing that the place is. Uh, filled with community and enjoyment and well-being, um, because that was him at the front yeah. of the photo. So what was that all about? I don't know. I mean, well, the guy, the butler, sort of implied. He said, "I've always been here. You've always been here." So I think it was trying to imply that it was the same guy who did it before. The spirit of the same man. Oh, yeah, I mean that makes sense. Okay. And uh, but even that and was that, that was he was like forever preserved in the legacy of the hotel. Yeah, no, but because yeah. the okay. what did they say the uh, the guy that owns the place or runs the place uh, said something like it was the nineteen seventies that that last incident occurred, Where but that photo is from the nineteen twenties. Yeah. So it, it just something about I mean maybe if you want to play into the themes that Jackie's talking about, it could be the idea that it's like this. Yeah, this this feeling of overt masculinity has always existed and, and keeps repeating itself and is cyclical. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, but I don't in know. terms of theme of the horror, I think it's it's sort of saying the same demon has been there for a while. Yeah, that's I mean, a, that's what I got from it. Anyway, yeah, there's a real quick throwaway. Like what you said, the hotel's a character. Like the hotel is generating. Like he's in the picture on the hotel wall. Like the hotel is generating this demon. Okay. Yeah, and they throw it out really quickly, and it's never touched upon again. Uh, and it's kind of a trope in a few Stephen King stories: is the idea that this place was built on, a, on an Indian burial ground, and so they just kind of throw that away. But that's another way to go. Well, it's uh, it's built on sacred ground that you know the white man should not have ever touched, and they did, and this is what they get their comeuppance for. So yeah. that that's and yeah. In terms of uh, what were you saying, the hotel. You were talking about the the, the ima- flashes of images. I almost thought that was almost in a way kind of a mistake. Like if they hadn't, like not oh, all the. Oh, are images, you suggesting Stanley Kubrick makes mistakes? Everyone makes mistakes, but I'm Absolutely just saying not. that like if the if they had saved the blood, you know the big shot, the blood gushing and moving yeah. furniture. If they'd have saved that to the last time they used it. 
you know, maybe like teased it, but not like shown it. Because by the time they showed that image in the big climactic moment, we'd already seen it three times. Right. I felt like it lost power. I heard that the teaser for this film, the very first teaser trailer, was just of that elevator with the blood like pouring out. Yes, it was a great and teaser, so, but I'm saying once we got to the I know, deliverable, because yeah. they used the deliverable in the teaser, there was nothing to deliver. I know, I'm agreeing with you. So I'm saying like, because going in, it's the like, dead people was I nice. knew that, that was image. a nice ratcheted up. But. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was freaky. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think, I think the first time I saw it, like, that's a pretty shocking and effective image. And to say it would have been more effective later on, I don't know that I agree with that. Well, I think, it was I think, used later on. I'm not saying to move the last one. I'm just saying by the time the last one came. Sure. But I think that one, you're already filled with all this dread and horror, all these other things going on. I think where it lands the first time, it's pretty damn effective. Yes. And to not have it there. They need to ratchet it up, though, for the last one. Sure. But also, again, we're talking like, to, to circle back to the conversation we had before that. This is a movie that's like doing stuff that movies hadn't done at this point in terms of psychological horror. I wonder horror. if the image wasn't written for that last bit, and then in edit they were like, you know what, we need something earlier. Let's tease it out earlier. Maybe, but you've also got all these moments that are clearly done just for that that purpose of like flashing forward to these images, where you've got like when Danny sees the the twins in the hallway, and then it flash just that flash cut of them dead. Twins kind of disappeared up. later. They didn't play as big of a oh, role yeah. as I thought they were but going so, so, to play. So something like that is clearly they're designing this thing where they're using these flashes. So yeah. so maybe maybe they did do that for the. They also decided through the hallway and earlier. But the whole movie has these flashes throughout. Yeah, so. no, I just mean that particular flash. I wonder if maybe. But the the twins kind of they didn't pay off the way I thought they were going to. Well, I mean, the twins, I think they were just, they were paid off in the way they needed to be in the sense that, you know, we know that they're the kids of the previous caretaker. Yeah, I just thought they were going to come make another appearance. Hmm. Yeah, I thought, I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to come back, but I also sort of um, accepted it because I thought that they were just going to, like, his kid, his son was sort of going to become like a... One of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, part of me likes that the fact that it's not just one specific thing mm-hmm. that's coming at them. It's just all yeah, aspects sure. of the hotel. You've but got they could like... They like run with them in the maze or something. Yeah, but I think for that, it's just like then it becomes about them. It becomes like they're this... They're, they represent the evil of the hotel and that's not what it is. It becomes him, right? All this manifests into him. And if, and if you gave too much power to any one of these specific images then it takes away from him embodying them all by the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get what you're saying, but that's a more traditional trope we would have nowadays where we feel like we need to... You see the guy that has to shoot. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's not what this is about, especially though. This is about like the piling on of images. Like uh, like the cook says at one point, it's like the idea of you know burnt toast and it lingers. And these are the traces of things that are or that were. And sometimes only certain people can see or can smell them or see them or hear them. And so I think, I understand that, and I think that's something that, again, like, the conversation we had earlier of, like, audience in typical Hollywood, we're expecting these things to pay off, and so we're kind of let down when they don't. Felt like more of an experimentation. Most of it it was pretty good at paying off, because they did introduce all the different rooms of the hotel, and most of those rooms did pay off at some point. Yes. Do you know what I mean? They were very good about that. Oh, Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, and I was joking around about, you know, Cooper doesn't make mistakes, but it's like, this is the guy that's known to be you know, a fucking merciless perfectionist to the point where he would do like 50 to 100 takes of most scenes and most shots. You know, like this movie yeah. took over like a year and a half to shoot. Oh, wow. Um, to the point where it's like, 
he originally they, they, oh, there's all those steady cam shots throughout the movie, right? There's a lot if I noticed too in the shooting style because I don't I don't do much suspense to be honest. But there's a lot of like shooting the backs of people. Like a lot of shooting the backs mm. of people, which I thought was interesting. Shooting the backs of their heads as well. Hats, it's very bodies, physical. Like, but a lot of a lot of shooting people walking away or facing away or from behind. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, and how did that make you feel? I think that must be part of the suspense approach, right? Because you can't see their face. It makes you automatically anxious. Yeah, and there's this also, I mean, especially when there's there's the chase and the follow. It's like we're, you know, through the maze with Danny. It's like we're seeing Jack coming towards us. So we feel like he's coming towards us and leaning mm-hmm. on us. And, you know, whenever we see Danny, it's always from behind, right? Well, it's even like... Yeah, but when... we see Jack from behind a lot, too, while he's writing. We saw a lot of... We saw the mother a lot from behind. We saw everybody from behind a fair bit. Right, but I'm talking about that specific moment, right? So yeah. they're using that the very... Chase, yeah, sure. they were using that very specifically to make us... To give, you know, to evoke a feeling of, you know, prey and predator. Because we're with Danny. Yeah, and in that moment... Yeah, so it's used, I mean, to some effect... Uh, yeah, and, and different reasons and different, but there's tons of those steady cam shots, um, and they originally the to, not to, to not to like dissuade this too much, but I wanted to like let you know because there's a rocky connection to this movie. Ah. So the steady cam operator for this movie was told we won't need you for more than six months, we promise, and of course they needed end up needing him for like almost a year because he had to go on to Rocky too. And so oh, for the last six months of that, he had to go into a, a week, he had because they shot this in, in London on like sound stages. He had to go from like London to New York or wherever they shot. No, not New York, it would have been Philadelphia. Uh-huh. And go back and forth once every week. I can't even oh, imagine. Wow. I can't even fathom shooting the same movie for a year and a half. Well, you have to imagine that it's, it's Kubrick again. It's like he would do some takes 50 to 100 but times. Even as an actor. Well, that's to say that he, there's a really great making of documentary. That, About The Shining? Yeah, if you watch it, you're going you're gonna to watch it and you're going to hate Kubrick by the end of it, especially as an actress. You'll think that not only was the movie... He basically drove them crazy, is what you're saying. No, not only, not only was the movie about abuse, but Kubrick's like an abusive director. Like, there's the, there's a... Th- I've heard, I've heard... There, there's a scene, the, there's a scene that shows... How do you direct a child to play something so psychotic? Who was the child? Who was the child? Who was the child? Uh, I can't remember. His real name is Danny something. It's, uh, I mean, we can look it up. Oh, okay. But, uh... But he- but you know he's little, and it's a scary movie. Yeah, he's phenomenal. They said apparently the the, the Tony thing was supposed to be like a puppet uh, or something else he had. But in the audition, he came up with this thing with his finger himself. That's something the kid came up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh wow! Cooper was like, "That's way better than any puppet would be, or any anything else like that." Well, how creepy is that? Just using that. So that's something the kid just did instinctually that they kept. Uh, there's this guy, and I can't remember his name. He was an actor in Barry Lyndon, one of Kubrick's other movies. That ended up. There's a documentary about him. It was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is. It was called Film Worker, and it was this guy that ended up becoming like Kubrick's assistant and kind of jack of all trades. Uh, and he was uh, the kid's acting coach throughout this movie, um, and was mm-hmm. kind of like Kubrick's right hand man. So if you're you're curious more about that story, check that out. It's a documentary called Film. I think it's called Film Worker, uh, and it was on Netflix at some point. It's available to watch online anyway. Uh, and it kind of goes into more detail about how they worked with the kid and got that performance out of the kid. But yeah, so just to go, but the, but Kubrick was, you know, known to be, you know, this kind of just, you know, relentless and had Shelley Duvall said it was like the most traumatizing experience of her career. She is so good in this. I've never understood the appeal of her as an actor. She seems like... I, I haven't I seen her at in At first, I, I haven't really seen her much of her. And when she first appeared on the screen, I was like... Well, this is an interesting face. 
Yeah. You know, like as a very unusual face choice for a leading lady, but her eyes are giant and they like they make her smile like her teeth. Yeah, like you know, crooked teeth is not typically you know leading lady material. You it's very like symmetrical and plastic and yeah. But her like she has an interesting face and like her eyes are so giant that like mm-hmm. by the end with all the like fear and everything is so like just giant eyeballs are really great for that. Yeah, yeah, and you see, and it's interesting like watching some of those behind the scenes and just seeing how he kind of tormented her and yelled at her on set. Uh, you, it's almost like. Was that by design to try to get a certain performance, or are you just a crazy taskmaster? Because Angelica Houston was living with Jack Nicholson at the time, and she said that he would just come home and collapse in bed. Like, he would just walk in the door and pass out, just from the, exha- the exhaustion of the movie and how many mm-hmm. times they would re- make them repeat stuff. Uh, there's yeah, that's sto- what I'm saying. It seems it seems. Well, there's, like a, there's a story about how Jack Nicholson hated cheese sandwiches. And Kubrick demanded that's all he was allowed to eat for two weeks straight. So he was, he, it sounds what? intentional to me. It sounds like he was trying to like sort of. I've heard numerous stories about him being. Push them into areas of discomfort. Doctor. And and what do you yeah. think about that as an actor? Like that's the kind of thing, like I would never do that kind of thing. But it's like, is that the kind of thing that you think in in is justified by the end results? Or do you think that's the kind of thing that is just like, no, you don't do that to people? You know, I don't know because. I can't imagine sort of doing that myself as a director because usually I've asked people to view my films for an extremely yeah. reduced rate and probably breaking them psychotic, psychologically would not be great. Um, but I also think that as an actor, you do... It, if somebody's honestly pushing you into a better performance, it does take energy to push somebody into great performance too. Yeah, And if somebody is doing that and pushing you and sometimes you do have to push people into discomfort and as an actor you want to be pushed into an area of discomfort right and the discomfort is temporary so um that that can be sort of a generous use of energy from a director too you know at the end of the day like you know only eating cheese sandwiches is not going to kill anyone you know what i mean like or but i think there has to be like um push but there Mm, how do I put this? The actor has to be aware that it's a device or it's aware that it's a tactic and on board with the tactic. That's what I was saying. The thing. It's like, I think it's the kind of thing where an actor came to me and said, look, I want you to push me. If they, they've given consent and they, they're like, I want you to take me to a place where I'm uncomfortable to help me with my performance. Cause that's the kind of, well, that's the I kind mean, of way I, I don't know if you and have, and have think, that conversation, but you do the actor. Well, yeah, I think, like, I think especially like today and here, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this right now in yes, 19, today. in 2019 as a, as a director today, I'm not making an actor do a goddamn thing that they're not comfortable with because no, no, no. the climate like, we live in, the last yeah. thing you want is someone saying, I think the, the, the most that I've ever, um, that that's, you know, something similar happened was when I was, uh, so I made a film, uh, that depicted my experience with sexual assault. And so the majority of our cast, uh, were survivors themselves. Mm-hmm. And so when you put them in a situation, uh, where there is an off screen abuse, um, there's that level of discomfort there where, you know, everybody's sitting, everybody understands what the material is, but like it is my job and like our team's job beforehand to, uh, to understand, to get them in, to get them in, into that mentality, yep. you know, to understand. Yeah. So right? I was going to say like, instead of like screaming randomly at somebody about their personality to try, you could, I mean, there's other 
ways to yell at somebody. Like you could do a repetition exercise that would involve right. yelling in that same energy, but they know it's an exercise. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That's kind of what I was trying to say. We did, uh, and 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 there were there were moments even like I'm remembering now. There were moments on set where people uh, like lost their cool because the material's really dark, and so we would do. Um, uh, voice work, mm-hmm. even off screen and even in like in groups and stuff like that. And I thought that helped because even though we were frustrated on the inside, we could like, you know, like, like you know what I mean? Just like release it through I was on set voice. in the cabin in the middle of the winter on like one of the craziest shoots I've ever been. And the actor was like, he wasn't, I could tell he wasn't there. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he wasn't was, present. He, yeah. He was doing a lot of things. I, and I was trying to like do different things. And finally I went up to him and I said, do you need me to slap you? <laughs> and he was like, and he just stepped away and he did this like incredible, like screaming exercise for himself. And then he came back and he was present. So I didn't, I didn't just randomly slap him. I asked him if that was what he needed and he found an alternative. Yeah. He's like, but if he had said I, yes, do it, I would have. But that's different. Him. You've asked the question. He's given consent, right? <laughs> hey man, I, there's some, there's some, he got the message though. <laughs> but there's some weird little things and little tricks that I've done that are not quite, that are not that aggressive, but it's like, like there's in, in one scene in the go-getters, uh, I told Tommy Amber Peary to whisper to Aaron that she loves him. To yes, I like give a, it. Yes, to give like a little like something that was because t- I wanted Aaron to give a look of like, what the fuck are you doing? Unexpected, unexpected things to throw the person off. Interesting. Sure. Interesting. Yeah, and so that kind like of you thing. have to make sure I think that all that sort of pushing you or like disconcerting you is happening in the context of the character. You know, you don't want to actually yell at the actor. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys, as directors, love finding ways in order to mold actors' performances to like get them in get them in focus? Like, what are ways in which you find the best to do I, that? I mean, I don't, I don't think I have any, any one specific tactic. I think I think for you me, you have it, to design it to the actor. That's just it. every actor works so differently. But even each, but that that even that said, every moment of every scene is a different thing too, and you're looking for a different thing. So, no tactic is going to work probably twice in the same thing. I mean, some actors are reactionary. So they, so you have to have something happen to them that they can just react. And some actors are the other way around where they can generate from within. And so you got to figure that out as well. Save it for the take in a way. Do you know what I mean? So you don't want to rehearse them too much because they're going to give you gold on one go. So you want to make sure your team's rehearsed. And then other actors, you almost have to like tire them out so they're not thinking anymore. And yep. they're like later take will be the best ones. So you just want to make them do it a bunch of times until they forget they're doing it. Well, yeah, they, they just need to like try something different and you just mm-hmm. take it until they find it themselves, right? And that can be frustrating when two different actors work differently. Yes. You know, yeah. again, like I've, I've, I've had a, a movie with two actors that one was like always just working towards crafting the perfect moment and the other actor was trying something different in every take and they were very frustrated with each other because they had two completely opposite perspectives but they kind of both realized the beauty of that and kind of fed off of that and, and made it work. But, mm-hmm. you know, for the first day or two it was kind of frustrating for them to like have someone with a completely different approach to acting but we found a way but to make it work. If they can use the frustration, yeah, and that's what we did. Yeah, yeah, I know, and but that's and that's just it. So it's like there's no. I mean, for me, it's like, I like to have a lot of conversations, and mm. and I'll just ask, too, ask yeah. an actor if I feel like a scene's not working. I'll just be honest and say, look, something's not working. Uh, what are you trying? Like, what's your tactic? You're trying. What are your, what are your things? And like, and then just try to offer them alternatives to that, because I think that's something about de- deconstructing it too. I think sometimes there's so much. There's this element of like, well, we don't want to demystify the process and I don't want to like try to upset what's inside the actor's head. But I think sometimes it's just worth saying, what are you trying to do right now? Because it's not clear to me. 
sometimes yeah. what I find helps is that if I if I try to work with an actor in that case, if they really understand the material, then they'll pull me aside and tell me it doesn't work. Like tell me, um, you know, this is not something a person would say. Why don't we try this? Well, that's you can shift a great happen. actor like often with just a tiny bit of understanding. You know, like you're, they're doing something and you're like, are you aware that this is also happening? Or you be yes. aware of this element yes. and then yes. suddenly yeah. everything shifts yeah. with yeah. very little information. One little piece. Sometimes it's one word. One word would just like try this. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's less is more, but it's it's about conversation. And and like yeah, like Jackie said, it's like it's every every moment's going to be about have a different solution. And it's just about finding it and collaborating together. Like when you're lucky, things are just gelling and you're moving along and you don't, sometimes you don't have to do anything. Yeah, uh, and it's just kind of working. Yeah, and then you don't interrupt. Yeah, then you just you just stay the fuck out of the way, mm-hmm. and then all, and then maybe come in and offer like, hey, we, that was great, but let's just try different flavors to see what happens, mm-hmm. and then you're just playing, and that that's kind of like the ideal place you're in. Yeah, but I yeah. think early on, I, I find the first couple of days of, of shooting something new, you're kind of exploring and playing it anyway, just to find the limitations of of where you can go with the character, if and then you start locking into something more specific. Hopefully. A couple of days I, in, you I've start locking in a bit so more. So far, at least regretted like pushing an actor too far, but I have regretted not pushing them harder. Yeah. Do you guys find that if you're tackling tougher subject subject matter, you'll rehearse a lot more? Before I don't know. You shoot. No, yeah. I like conversations. I don't really believe in. I mean, yeah, I have more not conversations well. Too. What I mean, I mean you, it's, people consider that rehearsal too. I guess there's the, how, yeah, you, how you I mean, define well, that's a place of understanding, and the performance will come. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they have to just yeah. have to analyze exactly the sort of internal journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I've uh, like in research and stuff, people have very much, um, very much call that like an actor's director, where you're very much a director who. Um, is there to mold an actor's performance by way of speaking, by way of conversing, rather than like um, I forget what the other terms are. Like line but, readings. Yeah, or 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 you have to get the line reading. You'll use That's references, like or like Alfred Hitchcock like, used to actually put a, an actor's face in a position and be like, "Just do this." Well, sometimes, well, sometimes Alfred Hitchcock has them some stories about him. Alfred Hitchcock would not do well in the Me Too era. <laughs> oh, let's, let's just say no, that most people wouldn't. Oh no. Um, well, I mean, like, also in Me, Me Too, let's let's go, like, if we want to be a little, I don't know, also in the, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, there was a little element of, you know, pure racism Racist. here. Not only just with the word, but as soon as they said that word, I oh, tell it's you. shocking. Yeah, it's shocking, but as soon as they were, used that word, I was like, oh, they're going to kill this guy like the third guy in a Star Trek episode. Yeah, it's I knew it, right away. It's that trope of like it's the, the black character. The disposable guy. Die. Yeah, but it's interesting. I think what's interesting about using that specific. It wouldn't make him the hero. As soon as they said that word, I was like, "Oh, this guy's not gonna." No, he the hero. becomes the, he's the he's the villain of the movie. But it's like, what's interesting? The black guy? No, 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 no. no. But that's Jack, what I mean. As Jack, soon as as Jack's soon as they used that word, I knew they wouldn't let that man be the hero of the movie because of the. Oh right. Because it gave away the era, it gave away the time, it gave away the oh, psychology of the time. Well, but yes. what's interesting is that yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think it gives away the era in terms of when this movie specifically is made. But what it does is like, because that guy that initially says it before Jack parrots the word uh, is from a removed era where that word was, I don't want to ever say it's socially acceptable, but it was more the common term. Well, it was just socially acceptable to be insulting, basically. No, but at, at some point, there wasn't like, for that, for that word... At a specific point in history, that was the only word you used. You know, we, now it's it's considered derogatory because we know that it's 
It was never right, but at that point in time, it was derogatory. It was just acceptable to be derogatory. But what I'm no, but what I'm trying to say is that at that point in time, it's like someone who the people you know that commonplacely use that word, they weren't using it. Going, I'm going to use this word to to hurt their feelings. There for them, it's like. They didn't even know what, what else you would call about it, yeah. them. You know what I mean? Mm, I, been, the way I, it was spoken in the movie was definitely not a. It was definitely an insulting word. No, I'm just, but I'm just suggesting I, there was a more of a casualness to it in the sense that it's like that was just that was like yes, breathing. there was casual racism, but it wasn't the the, the bias was still there. They were still considered oh, to be less. It was just normalized. But it was just funny that as soon as I said that, I was like, because in my my in my tune two thousand. 19 eyes at first i really thought that guy was gonna be the hero you know what i mean because he was kind of being set up to come and save the day in a way but as soon as they said that word i was like oh no they're going to kill him but at the same time it's like that would have been a sad choice too that shelly duvall can't save the day herself he didn't save the day because he brought the vehicle up he gave him an out it sort of threw me off guard though because there's that one scene when he's introducing them all to like the pantry and like the freezer and whatnot but there's this one shot where the kid looks at him and they make eye contact and it sort of like zooms into the kid a little bit and i thought that okay maybe this guy and the kid are like somehow they are well they are they they both have the shot they both shine that's how the guy knew they came up Come up to the hotel because he called him with his mind. There's that moment. There's that scene where it's like the kid's twitching in the bed. He calls and, him and, and, he, he, and he wakes up. He's watching TV and he wakes up and he calls. He calls the hotel and he feels compelled. Oh to go. my and god! Then the, I just the, took then that the, in the, the, okay. the, the oh, you evil, didn't catch the that? Evil butler no, guy. I just no, I didn't process that. And no. the evil butler was like, "Your kid's calling in outside forces." I was here. still trying to understand like their relationship, which is why I'm bringing this up. Yes, but, they're um, psychically connected. Oh, gotcha. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's interesting. like, and good thing you left the keys in the car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's for, where are <laughs> they going? They have a long in, trip. Check eh? his pockets, get the keys out. So do you car. think, so do you think, sorry, not to jump ship for a second, but do you think that now making this next, have you watched the, have you, sorry, have you read the second? No. Book? Oh, I assume okay. it's a different group back at the hotel. No, no, no. The second, it's about, um, Danny is an adult. You McGregor oh. plays him. It's okay. about him. Like, you know, 20. shining otherwise. Does yeah, he go back like, to the hotel? It's or? called Dr. Sleep. There's a shot in the trailer, without spoiling anything, it's in the trailer, where you see him looking through a broken door. And it's like, did he go back to the place? Did he break the, a new door? Did he, is he echoing what his father did? It's not quite clear. I kind of wanted clear. to see, too. I mean, the meaningless is obviously you don't need to see it at all. But I kind of want to see the, <laughs> the hotel guys come back and just be like, what Whoa. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. But don't you, you know? think, don't you think if like, this I thought is... they were going to pan back from the frozen him and just have the guys being like, whoa, here's a good week. I thought another one. I thought the exact same thing. But what was going through my head is that like, if this is continuously happening, like how the fuck are they able to just like go back and just reopen the hotel? It seems like it's only ever that happened one time. But they, 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 but here's the thing: is like well, the guy's totally forthright. He's like, yeah, this happened in the 1970s. But it's not like this happens every year. I think if that was the case, well, I, I don't believe that it does happen every year. I believe no. that it's like I think they, the right person has to come. Not up. every year, but it teased that at the end when we saw the picture from the 20s, right? That it could have been maybe. Like repetition, but I don't think it's every year. Otherwise, yeah, I, did, I don't think they'd be doing this. They'd, or every, they'd or every that's, so maybe often. that's part of why I wanted to see the reaction. I wanted to see if they were like, "Well, we lost another one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is such a great lot. just like flash cut to it. Yeah. Um, what do we think about Jack Nicholson? Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Oh, that was like both at the no, same no. time. I, I just mean like he gives good crazy, but I always. That's why I kind of think the movie was about her. Oh, for sure. Because we never, like, 
the best villains are always kind of villains where I sort of understand their motives, even if I don't agree with their motives. But he's just he's just losing it. You know what I mean? But yeah, but but I think you know, given what you were saying about him when we first started talking about it, I think you do kind of understand his motives. Like he's he's feeling emasculated. I don't see him wrestling with that. I have zero. I don't know. I mean, we we don't necessarily see it as strong as we could, but it's like he's definitely struggling with the fact that he doesn't have the, the talent that he wishes he had. You know, he's yeah. he's throwing the tennis ball against the wall instead of writing, and when he writes, he's only writing the same sentence over and over again. Totally, he's definitely that's. that's so that's, I wouldn't I wouldn't say we're not seeing. But I mean, struggle. like when he snaps at her, you never see a moment where he's like, "I shouldn't have snapped." I'm sorry. Do you know what I mean? Like he yeah. never he never repents for anything. Jack Nicholson said that was his hardest scene to do was the scene when she first comes in. And he's like, "When I'm in here, it means I'm fucking writing," uh, and he says because because Jack Nicholson is a writer himself, and he's like, and that was a little too close to home for like. A moment he'd had with a girlfriend at some point in history, and he was like, "That was uncomfortable well, for me." Well, I, to I think that. Oh, wow. I, I think I've probably been on like the other side of that conversation where like somebody's frustrated and they give you this arbitrary rule in this really re- weird way, and you're like, "I would argue this, but you're obviously just upset about other things." Yeah. So I'm gonna leave it alone. I've definitely. I think it took me a while. It took me a while. Just off topic, it's taken me a while to sort of assess that in like relationships. I feel when you're when you're speaking with someone who's who is like you know how you're saying upset about other things, and it's all it, it's sort of that like fine line between like obviously they're not crazy, but it's sort of like do I engage in this? Do I not engage in this? It's it's. Something I've been grappling with. I feel as like well. this was like it was like it was like ratcheted up a bit, but that same yeah, sure. concept where you're frustrated with this and and you com- well you can, and you can't compartmentalize. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I mean, the, what's interesting about that is like you know we're all artists, and I think we all have those moments where we just need our time to to focus. I know it's like I've had much gentler versions of that conversation with people I've been in relationships with. And but that's part of it is like you have to have those conversations and broker some kind of thing where of understanding of going like. I know, like, with my wife and I now, and I'm like, I need an hour to write today. She knows that means I need two hours, because it means I need, like, about a half an hour to get into it, to, like, before the juices start flowing, and then, like, I'll be good for an hour, and if any interruption comes, mm-hmm. you got to get back into it. You know, it takes mm-hmm. the time, if, like, if the phone rings, or if if you decide to check your email, whatever it is, it's like... And so she kind of, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, over time we, we've kind of realized that whatever time right, I've asked for, I need that more. man could yeah. have asked her for like, he could have been like, you know what, I need to focus. If you could just hold off on the sandwiches, then she would have been like, fine. That's not dramatic and <laughs> no, but I'm just interesting saying, cinema, was, Jackie. That's <laughs> the most boring. No, no, I'm not saying he should have done that. I'm just saying if he'd been writing well, that might have been the conversation. The fact that he was writing garbage. <laughs> the most boring version of The Shining would be like, honey, can you just bring the cheese sandwiches? No, I'm I no just mean, problem. I just mean, I'll make my own cheese All his sandwich. anger I'll make was you not a the sandwich. interruption. The anger was at the fact that he couldn't write. I'll oh, make yeah. you a he sandwich. He was a shitty writer. He got one sentence in him. <laughs> Sometimes he couldn't even get that right. I will make you a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, I'm going to take care of the kid today, honey. You you need some you time. You need- <laughs> not a great man. Very. Was, Let's go I, build a snowman outside. Grounded. Like the, I think during the during the watch, the kid was paddling around. I heard one of you comments saying, you know, kids, kids dream, just have the whole thing to paddle around it. But I have to say, like, that setup of being in a hotel for five months with just nobody is, like, my worst nightmare already. 
I don't know how so many. I don't need. Agree to that. I don't need red rum and blood and hallucinations. That already is a nightmare situation. <laughs> See, I watch it and I'm like pre-internet, no less. I watch that and I'm like, I think I could enjoy that. Oh my god, I would hate that. Would oh, you? Oh, I would use the time very effectively. I, I kind of like if I knew there was like a set amount of time, but a hotel in that time or a five hotel in this months time? though. No, it's like if I knew there was no internet, I'd bring like I'd have a plan. I'd be like. These are all the books I'm going to read. These are the movies I'm going to watch. I'm going to get these things done. I'd, I'd set up projects for myself. Okay. I would be fine. <laughs> I say that. Uh, and this is what, like, I think they're a month in when he goes crazy, right? It's not that long. Yeah. It's yeah. like maybe a month. Because it's, it's like yeah. a month later, and then it's like Tuesday, it was, Thursday, I thought Saturday, she was Sunday. doing very well a month in. She seems like, this is beautiful. I was like, have you lost your mind? All the get shit the goes down. But all the <sighs> shit goes down within the course of a week, right? It seems like yes. a month in, they're all kind of fine, and then slowly... Well, he's cracking a bit. She's fine. She's fine. She's just I feel just like she fine. could have done the five months, no problem. I think so. <laughs> I, but I think, again, I think you have to be, if I went out, I would be similar to him or I'd go up with a very specific project of mine. I'm like coming up with a goal to accomplish. Uh, it's hard to say. I say that I could last five months in a place like that. But I think now it's harder because we're used to being connected to the world and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and you wouldn't be I as think isolated. it depends on your, on your personality, too. I don't know. Remind me again, what was his benefit from being in the hotel? He wanted to write something. He wanted, he wanted to write something, but I'm saying he wasn't, uh, like, they they just decided to, like, stay. What was his connection to the, the he hotel? He got a job. Yeah. He got a job. It was just a job. He's was a writer job that's looking for, like, okay. I mean, it's similar to people that are, like, lighthouse keepers. They wanted or, to make it sure that, like, you know, like, it was maintained, that, like, the, you know, the, okay, it was, he, and then he was warm. So, yeah, they, or, they, they like, warmed up certain parts of the hotel just to keep to keep it from, like, the, the elements taking over and destroying it's like it over watch, the winter. like fire watch, basically. Yeah, it's right. like the people that do fire watch or, like, lighthouse keepers. It's people that is like, your job is not hard. The hard part of your job is you have to stay here. <laughs> and, like, make sure the forest doesn't burn down. Yeah. And really, it's just, like, look out the window once an hour. That's really all you got to do. Yeah. Uh, but you have to do that every hour. Yeah. You know, if you whatever else you want to do in the 59 minutes between each, each hour, it's, like, all your time. Your free time. But <laughs> Crazy you, making. But that's just it. It's, like, that kind of thing where it's, like, in the perfect, what, you're, like, that's a perfect dream job. Somebody was telling me about a, a fort somewhere, I think, in one of the one of the islands where there was on the turret, there's a little like carved out nook where the soldiers could had to stand watch, but if they didn't stand perfectly like straight up, like it was very small, they would just fall off the fort, and they would be up there for like twelve hour shifts. That to me is crazy making too. Oh my god! Yeah, that's not the kind of job I, that, that, that I wouldn't be able to do. I don't know if I love that. Do you guys want to hear who some of the other possibilities for that that role were before they cast Jack Nicholson? Yes. Sure. Uh, the two top contenders were Robert De Niro mm. and Robin Williams. Ooh. Mm. And and uh, Kubrick said that after he watched Taxi Driver, he thought that De Niro wasn't psychotic enough to play the part. And after he watched Mork and Mindy, he said Robin Williams is too psychotic. I think Robin Williams is is too comedic. Oh, but he but have you seen him do? I think his go physicality. Dark? Have you seen him like one, one hour photo, Robin Williams? One hour photo. Um, have you seen one hour photo? I that. Oh, watch one hour photo. It's a it's a movie. It's a movie that Robin oh. Williams made. I don't know, you know, clearly before he died, but it was like it yeah, was yeah. somewhere in like the late nineties. I it's, think he, De Niro, he played, just because De Niro's not psychotic in Taxi Driver doesn't mean he couldn't be more psychotic. Oh sure, I mean that yeah, that's the nature. of But I think it's interesting that you know he's referencing a movie where someone actually does play some level of like psychosis, and the other another one where he saw he was too psychotic was like 
a sitcom. Right. You know? <laughs> but, but no, watch, if you want to see Robin Williams give a chilling hmm. fucking performance, one hour photo. That's just it. It's like most comedic actors are all dark down. inside, right? Of course. Most uh, comedians are dark inside. Yeah. Some and, coming from pain. And the other choice, someone that was highly considered was Harrison Ford, who would have been, I think would have been great. But there is something about there is something about Jack that almost goes a bit too over the top. Like you get that well, Joker smile. Well, he seemed crazy from the beginning. From the get go. When the, his interview, he was crazy. I but, could see the crazy already. But I think to some extent that makes it more honest too, right? If he all of a sudden went from like the most cheerful, natural guy in the world and happy go lucky to all of a sudden he slowly goes crazy, that feels like oh well that. It's a bit more of a stretch where it's like, well, no, there's a reason why certain people go crazy up there in the winter and certain people don't. And clearly, as like he already had, like, you know, the way some people have cancerous genes and, and certain life choices they make help unlock them mm-hmm. by making, you know, by smoking or not eating well. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, and other people, those things could lay dormant. If you if you make better lifestyle choices, right? Yeah, I think some people smoke their whole lives with no impact. That's just it because they don't have those genes. That are that are more susceptible to unlocking, you know. So it's like he's definitely one of those people that was susceptible to psychosis, and clearly he's passed that on to Danny to some extent, right? Danny's clearly got something inside of his father. Like we never really, I mean, and I guess you could argue that Jack probably has the shine too, but his is like I did a, think that he probably a, also had the shine, but of a different nature. You know, clearly he's he's seen the same. He saw the same woman in room two thirty seven that Danny saw. Yeah. You know, he sexualized her. The, because, the older woman. Yeah, out of his yeah. frustration with his wife, he sexualized her. And then the moment... That's like being the perfect... I did, I did, woman. I do agree. I got the impression that he also had the shine. Yeah. Here's a fucked up thing that I forgot about in this movie that is just kind of comes out of nowhere. And then we're just left with is like when we, we cut to Scatman Crothers' character watching the news in Miami in his bedroom... Like, they make, Kubrick makes this very specific point of, like, zooming, making the frame go wider and longer to see his bedroom. She just really specifically point out he's got, like, these two paintings or portraits of, like, these black women that are naked yeah. or topless. And it's like, what are we trying to say about this guy that it's like, what was that all about? <laughs> you know, I can understand yeah. the, the purpose of, like, seeing this woman completely stark naked in the bathtub. You know, it's kind of, it kind of, there's a comment there that I, I can get behind, but it's like, those two moments of my, are you trying to say that this guy is creepy or off-putting? Like, what is that all about? Maybe, maybe he's lo- like, maybe he's lonely. Maybe that's why Jack's character as well is not fulfilled. Stereotypes and racism of the day. Yeah, I guess I agree that. with that. I agree with there's that. There's also a moment but, where when they cut to like the, that guy's auto body shop or the, where he where he calls the guy to rent the car, where some dude is looking at. Some calendar with like a, a pinup model on I it. I also think it just speaks oh, to yeah. Stanley Kubrick's personal aesthetic to see some topless women in his movie. Sure, this isn't. These are not. This is not the only movie where he's got nudity in it. Yeah, uh, for Black sure. Woman didn't necessarily need to be like. It's it's effective in the sense that normally when we see a fully naked woman. Uh, with a nice figure, it's supposed to be sexy. Where in this, it's like it's instantly haunting. I don't know. I think it's because his his uh, his fulfillment that comes from uh, from people and the uh, the hotel in which he lives, but he's unable to find an actual personal human connection. That's what I sort of like attributed those images to be. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's it's interesting. Like, like in Jack's character, like when he goes into that into that room and he imagines that woman as a nice young, 
uh, woman, it's because he does not feel fulfilled in his well, relationship. I thought, I, I thought it made sense that she was a young woman, and then it made sense that actually she had rotted in the bathtub because probably she would have rotted in the bathtub. But I don't understand why she was suddenly old. Well, I think. Uh, well, I think part of it was that it's like it's the moment. Cause it, it transitions right after he has that like embrace with her. Yeah, but and she so, could be young and rotten and be, still be pretty gross. Oh, sure, for sure. Well, I think it's it's just doubling down on it in a yeah, way. But it's like, a, technically, if you're murdered with an axe or a new lie in the bathtub, you might be rotten, but you wouldn't suddenly be older. No, but I think it just adds to like the the the, the idea unsexy- that old women are unattractive. Yes. Sure, could Another, you think ageism? What if this ageism in the list of isms? What, yeah. What if what if what if the the older woman that was scarred was one of the, uh, was one of the women that was killed? Yeah. Well, so I, I took it as the wife, the wife yeah. as the wife of the previous caretaker. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I think I, yeah, I, that's okay. why I took it too. That's why I assumed that once he killed her. Maybe she rotted or something. I don't well, they yeah. said they were stacked up in a room in the West Wing. We don't. We yeah. never learned that the West Wing was two thirty-seven, but I think it's assumed that that was two thirty-seven. When I, I can't remember who it is, when the boy or Jack walks into that room with all the skeletons sitting around. That's that the, mo- the mother. That's the mother. Does that at the end? That's what. Sorry, Shelley Duvall does that at the end. When she's, oh yes. When she's sorry. Starting. It's, 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 she's like having her psychotic break. She starts seeing shit too. Oh okay. Yeah, and then she sees that everybody at the hotel is dead. Mm. Yeah. That shot that we, we talked about earlier on with all the blood coming out, that shot took... Uh, so Kubrick, who is... Was that done practically? Well, yeah, because they didn't have a visual effects to do that kind of stuff back then. But it's like that... They had cartooning, I guess. Um, but they... So that, again, Kubrick's notorious for doing shots over and was over and over again. Was that in scale, do you know? Or was that done in miniature? Yeah, that was the, the third... They He only did three takes of that shot. Because uh, it had to be reset completely each time, and it took them nine days to reset that shot because they had cleaned up all the walls. Because mm-hmm. it was just done on the set. Because we see that 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 location in other parts of the movie, so it's done. Yeah, it's done practically in the full size thing. Wow. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they that's built a crazy. That, Isn't you it crazy? Never do that today, ever, ever. No, but that's the kind. Of, but also, I'll tell you another weird thing about this movie that it's again you would never get away with. Uh, but yeah, so they did that. It took them a year to to get that shot done because they would have they take nine days to reset it, and they would so they would shoot other things. But they the would shoot other things. Oh yeah, for sure. They yeah. wouldn't just wait. They, wait. They'd come back to it. It's just like they they'd redo that part. Uh, Kubrick also insisted, and again, he's this is you know a man that's at the height of his powers and can get away with this kind of shit. They shot the film in chronological order. Wow. So it's like they didn't just shoot out. All the stuff in the bedroom, all the stuff in their apartment, and then all the stuff in the ballroom. That would, that would that's like, why it, again, lengthen the shoot time. Too. Yeah, that's why it takes like a year to a year and we a half to have, make. Nobody has that luxury anymore. Uh, a couple people do. I think Spielberg could get away with that kind of thing. There's very take few. Take a year and a half to shoot a feature? That still happens. These like the big like Marvel movies, they take six months to a year to make some of these movies. Granted, granted Post, they... No? No, that some of these movies no. they're shooting. They take this time. They they only shoot like a half a page. I think a day to sometimes. shoot to shoot both Endgame and Infinity War wasn't it like seven months? No, it was longer than Six, that. Seven. It was a year and a half to shoot the whole thing. I right? think so. Oh wow! Off That's and on, such like it oh, just it's a luxury. So indulgent. Yeah. Well, you also got to think like that a lot of times, especially in the movies nowadays, it's more that they're shooting these big giant set pieces than action sequences. That, yeah, the action for sure. Action takes forever. Yeah, but yeah. um. So that they shot it in order, uh, and not like the one. The one thing that I, I'm sure drove Kubrick mad uh, is so when they're doing all the snow stuff, mm. zero snow oh. in this movie. It's a combination of salt, 
nine tons of salt and shredded up styrofoam. So yeah, it's all wow. fake snow. And and well, you can and there's a giveaway. There's yeah, I could tell it was breath. fake snow. It's like he Jack Nicholson is like ah. he's covering. He's 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 got his jacket closed up, but there's like zero breath. Where some, like now you would you would add that digitally, right? But, but uh, only, only people from certain parts of the world would notice that. <laughs> well, we're from Canada. I, they, I would argue more than that, but I think that's the kind of thing I'm sure as a perfectionist that Stanley Kubrick probably drove him nuts that he couldn't simulate the breath, and I'm surprised he didn't just like demand that the the set that they built it on was a giant. I don't know. He, this is Hollywood. He is in L.A. They may not have thought of it. No, it wasn't in L.A. This is in London. Like he, London, like, England. Oh yeah, Kubrick was, lived in London, so everything was out there. Oh. Um. The uh, was the house was the sort of panoramic shot of the house, the the hotel with the cars. Was that a model at some point? Uh, I bet you that was a real, real like resort somewhere outside. Well, there was one shot that I was wondering. That big, the the helicopter one that starts off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another mistake in that opening credits, too. There's, you can see the helicopter, a shadow of the helicopter in one of the shots, mm. which apparently drove Kubrick mad, but they left it in for... I'm surprised they left that in. I she put him in the, the store, food storage, whereas like the meat storage was far scarier. Well, I think she was, it was like, it's, it's still her husband. It's like, in her mind, I'm sure she's like, I'll leave him in there. At least he won't starve, because who knows when they're going to get back, right? At yeah, least. but he could have been gnawing on like a mutton. It would have been crazy. He would have died in the in the cold. She didn't want to kill him at that point. It's like she's just like I just need to get him away from us and put him in the food stores. Is actually the most no it was civil a good, thing she you know, could have done. For sure, there was just no payoff to that creepy meat locker. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I think that was just to set up. You people will have food. You don't have to worry about starving to death. I thought here. that's where she was going to drag him. That's what I was that, saying. Into that meat locker. Yeah, yeah. But like, again, she doesn't... Yeah. It's showing that it's like she's not no, a monster. No, it is a more practical choice. That would have been like a death sentence, And he ate some peanut butter, for sure. Peanut butter and Oreos <laughs> and crackers, it looked like. That was, that's what he would survive. And, and peanuts. A lot of, lot of protein, sugar. I'm curious as to why it's taking so long to make the sequel. Well, There's I mean, no Stephen King to... didn't write the book until... I mean, the book's been out for a while now. But it's also the kind of thing where... I mean, this, The Shining is considered such... An iconic movie, even though Stephen King hates the adaptation. He said um, it feels like a beautiful car without an engine, is the way he's described uh, the movie. Like, it's got all mm. this visual flair with no substance to it. And I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I, I think, I, I feel like part of what he's talking about is sort of what I was saying about Jack. Whereas, like, there's there's not enough to sort of... Justify his actions. Like, not enough to, like, like about him. Or even, like, enough sort of anchoring that relationship together. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it is a little bit superficial in its delirium. I think it dives in too quickly to them being in the hotel and not their life before the hotel. No, I think... I would disagree with that. I I think you get enough of a sense of it. It's not about their life. It's about their... It's about their... Their... Dysfunction? Yeah. Like, the kid... And even the kid is kind of, like... He's really a little bit sort of... He does the creepy well and he does a dis- disjointed personality well. But as a kid, he's a, he doesn't have like a necessarily particular personality. Like I, don't, I wouldn't say that I know this kid well, well. Well, that's what I mean is that like if we saw... I think if we saw the family a little bit outside of these conditions where they're just like... I don't know, a scene. I'm not you know trying to direct the movie or anything. But like a scene where they're just like sitting at a table at their house outside of the hotel. You know what I mean? Like like we got some of that, but like just just like a little bit more where we could see them the three of them sort of engage, 
right? Before we learn of the horrors of like what yeah. the relationships are. Yeah, I think we are. had the scenes for that. I just don't think they did that in those scenes. Like we had the car, we had the house. Yeah, I think, we, yeah. yeah, there was opportunity for that. We didn't quite get out. But I guess even, that's but it, what I mean. But yeah. to that point, like, I think maybe we did see that. We saw exactly what the relationship was. Like in that scene when they're driving up and the son's like, I'm hungry when like, and he's like, well, you should have fucking ate your breakfast. Like he yeah, doesn't that say was, like that. Yeah. But it's like, I think that was their life. It's like Jack. Like mm. he he tried to say it with a smile, but that's his. Well, passive, why are they together? That's his passive aggressive way. The relationship together. Probably the kid keeps them together. He feels like that. You know, that's a time when people weren't. You know, the divorce rate wasn't what it is now. And I think I think you get a pretty a sense pretty early on that he's not overly in love with her anymore. You know, he's a guy that it's like left to his own devices. Probably just went up on his own and left them behind. But he feels this sense of like obligation to uh, this family that he is not incredibly pleased to have. Mm. I still say that the crazy arrived. I don't think we need more scenes beforehand, but I think we did need those are crazy to kind of come a bit. It's almost like we're missing a scene in that before we jump ahead to one month. Like somewhere in there we get a sense of the normalcy of their oh, life. Yeah. He's talking yeah, about later. Yeah, he's yeah. talking about how, like, how he found. He felt like he was instantly home in the hotel. It would be nice to see that when he got to the hotel, or like you know what I mean, like to yeah. see him feel like this was his home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we yeah. might have, it might have even endeared us to him a little bit, like oh he's coming home, and then we were like oh he's coming home. <laughs> you yeah, because he does. Ma- yeah, that is true. He does say that that you know he felt like instantly like he knew what was around. Every I got corner. the impression more like he didn't like the hotel. He's just really strapped for cash. Is the sort of impression I got in the interview. Yeah, he would have said anything to get a yeah. job. I didn't get the sense that he there was something that he was like. I, I agree. There would be nice to get that sense because he does, you know, he does say, I felt like I knew it was around every single corner. And that, you know, that leads us to that photo at the end where we see that he has been there or something of his spirit has been there before. You know, there's mm-hmm. of, of his essence or whatever, whether whether that photo is meant to be taken literally or it's meant to just be like a, a, a visual representation of more of a, a spirit that passes along or a type of person that gets trapped up into this. Yeah, I think it's meant to, like you, what we were saying, it's meant to represent the idea that it's like there's a certain type of person that gets stuck in this, and this is a cycle that's always going to happen here for whatever reason. Yeah, you know, whether it's the the native burial ground stuff coming back or or whatever it is, there's a certain type of person that's. Do you know who gave a really terrific performance? <laughs> the bartender. Yeah. He's just meant to be creepy. Mm. He nails it. He, he nailed the creepy for a, a small, you know, the, the whole like small parts, small players. But sometimes tiny roles like that, he just, he wasn't He's like trying committed. to be creepy, but he was just so still. And un, the fact that he was unfazed by Jack's obvious crazy made him seem. Even creepier. Not just creepy, but like terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. You know who else is great? The, the doctor at the beginning. Mm. Like she's just very simple and subtle, and she's like, "No, the boy's okay." Like the way she is with with Danny is so lovely. And in that moment in the living room where she's just taking in, like to your point, Jackie, about like this is a woman who is just like making excuses for what happened, and you get a sense of that from the doctor being like, she doesn't say anything. She's very quiet, but she's like, she's taking that in, and you get from her that it's like, no, there's something going on here. Mm. But the, the fact that she's like, she says, but he hasn't touched a drink since. He's on the man. It's like it's almost like that's enough for her to go. Okay, I won't intervene, 
but I'm going red to flag. watch this situation. I'm going to make a note on this case file to, to I wanna follow re-watch, up on this. I want to rewatch now her that scene and that interview now, like after the end almost, like seeing it just like tie right in right after because I feel like I forget what she said by the end I like forget what she said to like in she that talked about the, the shoulder the dislocation he tells the story again later to the bartender mm-hmm. yeah from his point of view mm-hmm. it's interesting you get that yeah it's interesting you get both their point of views and he's clearly clearly he's upset about it too he knows what he did he knows I would say he's wrong. more upset he's more beating himself up because he feels like a failure right whereas like she's making excuses for him like she's being very understanding of something maybe she should not be so mm. yeah. but she does quickly leap to the idea that he did something else yeah later on uh i have a quick question i meant to, i meant to ask this before and i totally forgot to um, outside of like what uh, like the imagery that you guys knew about like the girls and that kind of stuff, did you know anything about what the story was about this movie? No. Like that it was about like an abandoned, not an abandoned hotel, but like uh, that they were shut it up for the winter. No. Not at all. Okay, cool. I was just curious. I knew like a little bit of a hotel, of it just being in a hotel, um, but nothing. I didn't even uh, know it was a hotel. Yeah, I knew of a. Ho- I knew it was like, like. Because of that hallway shot of the girls going, like that, it, um, that where they were was just the hallway of a hotel. Yeah, but I not think that it the film got jumbled takes place some of the it. images of this film with other classic horror films. You know, people are constantly yep. referring thing, and I'm not sure which references go with which show. I was trying to remember if the um, uh, Here's Johnny was in this this movie. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's that's why I laughed when he finally said it because I'm like, there yeah, it's, it is. It's probably yes. the most iconic moment I used of the to, movie. I used yeah. to be on kids television. The first interview I ever did, we had used to have a door in studio. We had a guest who was a pumpkin carver. And like it was a very wholesome, wholesome station. You know what I mean? Like no <laughs> Yeah. And we prepped and we rehearsed and then we were going to live television. I opened the door to the set and this Pumpkin Carver comes out and goes, here's Johnny. <laughs> it's like the worst possible reference for a show for six-year-olds. Not that they would get it, but even just the fact that he did it, we were all like, I didn't even see the movie, but I knew the reference was not good. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. Scary reference. Like, oh my God. I'm going to do that. Like, what are you doing? But the, like, the Red Rum, for example, I already knew that that was murder backwards. Like, yeah. that I've known. I don't even know how I know that, but it's... So it's, well, it definitely I, those I did not know. I didn't. I didn't know that no, one? not to be oh. honest. I passed by and it's a redrum. I was like, "What?" Yeah, there's a lot. But of I know it's murder, and, obviously. And Jack but makes I don't, dull, yeah. all play all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. That when I, I saw I that, never, I was like, oh yes, I've heard of that moment. Yeah, that, there was a few moments, and here's Johnny. Like there was a few things that came up that I was like, "Oh, got it." Sorry to clarify. I know that. Redrum was mur- like is murder backwards, but what I mean is I didn't know it. It uh, Came from coincided for, with this. Like I was like mm. Doctor Sleep. What is that? It wasn't until I saw the trailer and I was like, okay. Yeah, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things like that. Like that murder thing. The shot of him like through the the axe broken door. Yeah, and the and the uh, the shot of like the kind of moving in on that typewriter with the same sentence written over and over again are all very. Uh, those are kind of like the iconic images. The, of the this se- movie. same sentence over and over again for that many pages is so. 
it's such a great way to show somebody's lost it. Oh yeah, and, and it's almost better than running out with an axe. You run around with an axe, but you show me you sat that? there for oh, days typing the same see. sentence. You're gone. Production-wise, yeah. how did they achieve that? Oh, someone had to do it. that. Was someone's Some, job. I know. Oh, I thought about that too. Like, that's, yeah, there's no other way to do that. That was somebody's job. That was someone in the people, art department. And some of the letters, some of the letters being switched around, like the and. Yeah, like, the, the beauty was is it's like, t- it's typed up, so they probably had like. 10 PAs in the art department is like, here's a bunch of typewriters. This is what you're doing for a week. Because oh I, I want to believe... take them over. No, no, think about it, though. Think about it. That was a stack of paper. That was a lot She was of flipping paper. through at random. Yeah. Everything in that stack was yes. one of those sheets. Because Cooper... And that's what Cooper would have been. He's like, I want the whole stack. Absolutely. But I don't think it would take them a week. I don't know, man. I... You'd go crazy. It very well. Could. Think about it. They were all different formats, and to think like if they made a mistake. Like 50, no, the mistakes were in there. You saw fifty. They had, pages. No, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, if they made a mistake, pages. like they, there's more like than fifty pages. Scrap the page. Think about how much when you pick up a script you have that's 120 pages. There was at least 500 sheets of paper in there. 500 sheets. Let's put let's it say, back on. Let's, let's say put 10 it back interns. On. That's there's like there's that's no copy and paste. Sheet, that's what 50 sheets each. But just the, the the monotony of that, there's no, no way it would drive you nuts. Ugh, no. I can't. I'd love to. You no know, photocopiers back then, eh? I'm well, not that way. I mean, the way you see the ink on there, that's not photocopied. That those are that's coming right. from ink from that kind of typewriter. You got to think about the amount of times they would have had to like change the ribbons, all that kind of shit. I'm sure somewhere some nerd has it on the internet saying how long it took and how many people it took to do those. We'll look it up. You're going to look it up right now? Yeah. Okay, well, you're looking it up. I think that might take a bit to find. When you, well, you're looking it up. Let's go through final thoughts. So what are your final thoughts on this, Jackie? I was actually surprised to see how old the movie looked right off the top from the opening shot. It's like, this is this is movie has been, is not, is it, when was it even made? Well, I mean, they referenced the 1970s, so it was, I think. Yes, but when was it, when was the movie made? The movie was made, well, it would have, I think it's the late 70s or early 80s it came out. I can give you the exact. It's funny because I don't necessarily think of that as uh, old in terms of the media. But when you see some movie from that era, it definitely feels vintage. This whole movie did feel vintage. Oh, for sure, Which yeah. Which I wasn't really expecting. I, I for some reason, well, they're also in a hotel. Modern. They're also in a hotel that's you know got an old world charm to it too, right? Sure. 1980. But I mean, I'm talking about the way it's shot, like even the texture of the film and the image. Yeah, and the grain. Yeah. Yeah, it it came out in 1980, so it would have been shot in like. Yeah, it probably would have been. It's really old compared to what we watch now with our many pixels and digital. Yeah, and knowing how long Kubrick probably took in post, is it it probably was shot in 78, 77? Mm. You know, because he was. uh, uh, Or it started to shoot anyway. Like if it took a year and a half, it would have been shot probably over the course of like. 77, 78, and then edited throughout that, 79. That was my first impression was like, how, how old is I? I was definitely struck by um, the sort of interesting casting. And I was struck by how many shots were of the backs of people. Like, I think, I think I don't necessarily watch a lot of suspense. So Are you just slowly scrolling through the well, trivia? You'll I, never find it that way. I saw <laughs> some trivia. All right, we'll tell you what. Well, no, we're, we're not going to spend an hour looking for this. So if anyone uh, if anyone knows the answer to that, uh, feel free to tweet it at us when this episode goes live. Uh, Eric, any final thoughts on your behalf? Uh, final thoughts. I uh, I um, uh, it was really nice to see Jack Nicholson. To be honest, Jack I was, Nicholson is. I was doing so happy anything. when his name came up. Yeah, 
Like, did you not really know it was nice. him in this movie? No. Oh, great! Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know. I. I. I mean, obviously, that's I know, how little I've you seen, guys knew about this. I wow! Didn't know anything. Yeah. Oh, that's great! Wow, I didn't know that <laughs> no. you guys knew that little about the movie. I was like, movie. "Oh, Jack, lovely." So I was really, I was really happy. Oh wow, you guys like, came into this real. All you knew is that you were scared shitless. Yeah. That's all you fuckers <laughs> knew. I knew. <laughs> it wasn't even that scary, too. It wasn't it was that scary. scary. Like, it's it was it's scary. more unsettling. It's, it's it's unsettling. It's disturbing. It's uncomfortable. Yes, um, but no, but like once you once when the when the when. It got scary for me on that scene on the stairs when I realized the whole thing was about the mental impact of like an abusive situation, and then yeah. my stomach started to churn, and the whole thing became terrifying. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely I was definitely uncomfortable during it. Um, but uh, yeah, great. I mean, great film. I, like, I wish you know. I uh, I sort of hate horror films that just are just made just for the purpose of scaring people, and I think this allows for more thought and interpretation, and like allowing the audience member to become like an actual participant in what they're watching. Yeah, I mean, I think you know? the thing I walked away with this time, having not seen it in a really long time, was that I'm like, fuck, it's like it's it's really unsettling. It's it's a slow burn. Yeah, but it's like it doesn't feel like there's anything really wasted in this movie, even though you know it's two and a half hours long. It's it's slower pace, but it's like it feels like everything is just really, really done for for effect, and you're just meant to just it's just slowly cranking up the tension and the uncomfortableness. Mm. Yeah, uh, and I think nowadays you'd probably tighten that up a bit more, mm. and you you'd let that kind of ratchet up more, and you do more like tropey stuff with with you know, with, you know the, the pace of the editing and the music and all that kind of stuff. But I think for the movie of its time and, and what it's doing, I think it's. It's you know it shows up what Kubrick did really well. He was kind of like a perfectionist and labored over these things, and uh, I think it's it stands up very well, and, I, and it makes me really excited to see what uh, what uh, Doctor Sleep is all about. Which yeah. uh, we're timing this episode to come out at the same time, so uh, oh, hopefully excellent. you've uh, you're about to go watch Doctor Sleep, or you've just seen it. So let us know what you think. The kid was also fantastic. Some of the best acting I've ever seen from a child. Yeah, it's pretty Just good. Just pointing that out. Mm. Check out that documentary Fantastic. film worker because they get more into uh, into the details of how like that relationship worked between the the kind of onset coach uh, that works with him and and Danny. It's interesting. All right. Well. Uh, well. Thanks okay. for coming over. Thanks, thanks for, for having, having me. Thanks for having us. Let's all go to the. Thanks for joining us for The Shining. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.